Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Introversion Podcast. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Christina Weber. Hey, hey. <laughs> She's a social entrepreneur, a relationship activist, podcast host, speaker, and advocate for children of abuse, extreme poverty, and human trafficking. She's the founder and CEO of Deepen. It's wedeepen.com, a network of transformational guides and social experiences designed to generate more meaningful relationships now and for future generations. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Christina Weber to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to, to jump into conversation with you. Yeah, I'm really, uh, really stoked to have you on here. Um, so a little background about Christina and I, we were just catching up a little bit here. So we kind of, we met back in New York City through a, a dating event that you organized, I believe. Yeah. Sort of through a mutual friend, Obi, who I had on the podcast recently. And uh, that's sort of how we met, but we have connected through Facebook since then. And, you know, we don't really communicate regularly, but um, during the pandemic, I've been, the algorithm has decided to show you to me and uh, mm. I've seen the kind of stuff you've been posting and it's, I like it. It's very um, thought provoking and you're raising a lot of interesting questions in your Facebook community, which I, I think your approach, which I'm going to ask you in a little bit, but your approach to Facebook seems to be a little different than mine because most of my use of Facebook is just closed within my network of existing friends, whereas I saw you have a lot of followers. So I guess it's a mix of both your friends, but also people out there who follow you sort of as a as a individual or a speaker, right? So, um, yeah. That's so, an interesting observation. Yeah. So I guess we could start there. So I want to get into social media and Facebook. We're going to go really in depth into all this stuff. But so how how would you say you use Facebook, uh, both sort of personally, professionally? What and feel free to open. I know it's an open ended question, but you know, feel free to. That's such a good question. You know, that question of asking people, like, what's your relationship with Facebook? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, my relationship with Facebook is, um, you know, it, it's it's ever evolving. Um, there's many different cycles in it. During the, you know, now this, um, we're, we're in 2020, um, August, and the pandemic has happened. And there is this um, resurgence of connection that is exciting me right now of like we're coming up on the election there's a lot of chaos in the world there's a lot of confusion um it feels like a lot of disconnection too like as we're in quarantine yeah um so facebook for me right now i'm using it to like really to fun conversation to get people to like think deeper <laughs> um to go deeper i mean hence the name of the the, the company that i founded is deep in um so right, how do we right. deepen and so i like to use my facebook to pose um thought-provoking questions and it also allows me to get to know people um i get to, to dive in and get a pulse of what's happening in the world right now like how are how are people feeling and um and also express myself like I use Facebook in, in times where I have a thought and I just want to share and see how other people are feeling about it. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily feel alone. Right. So I use it in a way of like, is anyone out? I think, I think <laughs> it was, it was probably in um, early June, mid June, July, I had asked about the mask. Like, how are people feeling about the mask? Yeah. And I had, I, I posed a question around mental health mm -hmm. and the mask and um, and because I think we're gonna we're gonna go into friendship today, I pose this question because I notice myself um, not uh, 
having conversations with people out in the world. Like generally I would, you know, I'd see someone and I would just connect and I was not connecting as well. So I posed the question like, Hey, is, you know, we should be on high alert for people who are potentially having suicidal thoughts or their Mm -hmm. mental health is going down or they're feeling lonely. And I, I mean that on Facebook right there, um, it was like two over 200 comments like rolled in. I got, I actually got defriended (laughs) by like six. Oh, you got, you got unfriended because of that post. Oh, I got unfriended by like six, at least six people, I think. And I never really look at my number, but I got curious as I realized how much I was triggering people of just posing the question. Uh Uh Mm -hmm. So it was, it was fun. And, and, and then to think about, it made me think about friendship more deeply. Huh? I guess like, are you only friends with me if I have the same thought, but like, and, and and I wasn't even. I was just posing like, here's what's happening for me and my brain. <laughs> like, does anyone else feel that way? And it was like, oh, that's funny. So I use Facebook to um, work out my thoughts, um, to connect with other people, to pose questions to, and to have people go think deeper. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm really glad without me even prompting that you brought up that specific post, because that might be the post that sort of brought you back into my radar and me back into yours in a way. So because I, I was one of those 200 or so people who commented on that post. And mm. for me, uh, it wasn't, I guess you were a little bit surprised that people unfriended you for that. But I, I, I have been so far past that point where I'm not even surprised by that kind of thing anymore. And when I saw your post, uh, it's almost like I, I hate to say it, but I feel like nowadays it's more like I'm looking for allies, you know, like. I've never been a person who I'm not the echo chamber guy. Right. So the fact that I was in New York for so long, I was there for like 15 years and most of my friends in my Facebook social network, they're mostly New Yorkers, which means most of them are pretty liberal and they all hate Trump and you know, they they fit that mold. And you know, I, I'm not a big Trump fan, but I'm also, I don't hate the way they do and I don't have Trump derangement syndrome basically. (laughs) And, um, so I have different views, you know, and I actually grew up very conservatively, you know, so I, you know, but then I kind of came out of that when I moved to New York and I voted for Obama and I became more democratic, but so I'm kind of a blend, you know, politically, I think I would probably identify more libertarian now than anything, but it's, uh, so most of my friends, I would say like 70, 80% of my friend network is still very liberal, very Democrat, very Trump hating. And so it's like, I don't have an echo chamber. I'm in somebody else's echo chamber, essentially, you know? So there's part of me that feels like anytime I post something like you did, I get a lot of resistance. I get a lot of flack just to raise a question, you know? And it's, it's left me feeling like, you know what? This is exhausting. At the same time, (laughs) I need Facebook in my life right now because I was completely isolated in my apartment by myself for like, you know, several months. Mm. Um, And Facebook is kind of that outlet to connect with your friend network. And if this is the feeling I get from engaging with my friend network, I'm like, you know what? Something has to change here. So when you made that post, I started looking at comments that your friends were were posting. And some of them were like, you know, very supportive and very like in agreement with, with the tonality. I mean, I know you just posed a question, but you seemed a little bit like, I don't think masks are such a great idea, certainly not for the long term, but we have to take a holistic view of this thing where it's not just about 
blocking spit particles, but it's also like the psychological ramifications, right? So to me, that was a valid point that you're bringing up. And then you seem to have a bunch of friends who are supportive of that. And one of my comments that I posted in that uh, post of yours was something along the lines of, you know, I, I'm sort of jealous of all this love and support you're getting from your friend network. And then I think I posted something like, if any of you people here, you know, Christina's friends are reading this and uh, you you would like to, uh, you know, befriend me or like the, the door is open, like, you know, just I will accept your request if you're like an open-minded, free-thinking person who thinks deeply about things and, you know, is not just uh, spouting CNN talking points or MSNBC or whatever. So I ended up befriending a couple of your friends that way. So, oh my God, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. That yeah. is like my highest excitement. <laughs> So that was cool. But then you had one friend who actually got on my case and uh, I, I, I couldn't tell if it was a he or she and I don't I don't want to be offensive or anything, but uh, they were like, uh, you know, the typical I'm a grandma killer, you know, and uh, all this stuff. So <laughs> I was like, all right, I clicked ha ha on the comment and I just didn't bother, you know, going further with that. But so I was like, OK, I guess you clearly not everybody is on the same page as you. And for you to say that now that you've lost some friends by doing that post, uh, that's illustrated to me that, okay, so you, but, okay, so of your social network, and again, you have a mix. You have a mix of people you know, friends, but then you have other people who just follow you, right? So, but of your entire audience, do you feel like for the most part, they're supportive of your views or raising questions? Or is there a large contingent that's very antagonistic toward what you're posting and saying? It's so interesting because I I don't of of your observation that I have these quote unquote followers. Um, it's 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 I'm noticing my whole thing of like oh that's an interesting perspective. However, at the same time, I um and we uh, we can I I'm, I'm, I'll reveal this to you. This is like stuff I I don't really reveal publicly often, but like I've never voted um, in a presidential election. Oh wow! And so. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so um, I um, recently I had somebody um, who was part of the Deepen community and who I was in a private space. You know, we were in an experience and I shared that information mm -hmm. and she has recently has been messaging me. I, I posted something the other day um, posing a question. Should we um, sentence people to transformational workshops that are voted on by people who've taken transformational workshops and ex and experience change. Um, wait, wait. So explain this, the transformational workshop. What are you talking? She was sending you something about this. What is so that all about? I posted, I posted a, a, a question posing, um, should we sentence people who, um, who've done like quote unquote wrong or who created a debacle. I was actually referring to um, this Smithsonian. Uh, I don't know if you know about this. Uh, my, so by the way, just for your listeners, I should have been hooked on phonics as a child. So sometimes I pronounce words strangely. <laughs> okay. uh, but anyway, I, I posted this like question posing that um, should we... Um, sentence people to transformational workshops instead of sending some people to jail um, for um, minor, minor issues, like minor, minor things. Like should we, are you, sentence are them? you referring to crimes basically? Like um, minor crimes, like, like minor, mi like misdemeanors, misdemeanors. Yes. Yeah. 
so so anyway, I posed this like, should we vote um, on uh, like transformational workshops? You know, because I'm I'm have I'm running with this theory in my head around like, you know, are we voting for the wrong things in society? Do we need to agree on values first, and can we vote on values, and then we get to like eventually we can get to like the president? But I think there should be other things that we're from a. a, a I'm I'm really interested in system redesign, and during that mm-hmm. process of posing that question, somebody had. Um, written on my Facebook page and said like, well, you've, you share that you haven't voted. So how, where are you talking about? And I had felt like, oh, wow, that's something personal that I shared with you in a private space that like, I'm mm. still waiting to become public. And so I, I messaged her privately. I deleted so she, the she comments. Out, she outed you basically. She, she outed me. And then yeah. we went back and forth privately. And I said, um, I said, and I realized in that moment, she said, you are a community leader. So what you're saying, people are, are, are following. And it was this whole, it's this reframe that I have to come to terms with that people are watching me. <laughs> like people are, and it's this, it's this weird dichotomy of um, I'm just being me. But like what people do through like social media is they take a little thought that you have and then they attach your identity to that yeah. thought. Yeah. And right. and I am much bigger than my thoughts. I'm actually not even my thoughts. I'm sharing vulnerably what's going through my head, but like you can't, I can I reserve the right to change my mind at any time. Oh, yeah, Every, totally. right. Everyone reserves the right to change their mind yeah. anytime. And what happens in the social media platforms, like um, especially right now that we're, you know, people are now becoming resistance to sharing their thoughts there. Um, Afraid of cancel culture, right. Yep, for fear of being attacked. And so it's like, it is. So so again, I'm coming to terms with this idea of having friends and quote unquote followers because it is that... uh, even just of like Facebook's, like, what is a friend? <laughs> like, what is a follower? Uh-huh. Um, and, and how do you really intimately know? So I, I definitely pull, I, I, I'm like a special flavor of like, I, you know, if I, I've studied myself very deeply, um, and, you know, I've gone into a lot of like, um, um, I guess, uh, modalities like the human design system. And when I get into the human design system, it says that my purpose, you know, purpose is an interesting topic, but they say that my purpose is that I'm here to shock people into change. And that it doesn't mean that people won't gas and be like, how could you? Um, because I'm giving them the energy that they actually need to change. But in that process of me doing that, I definitely throughout my I've, I've been bullied on Facebook in the past, like in during the Me Too phase, like mm. the time of Me Too. I really? did a, a campaign to love men. Mm. <laughs> and and that wow. was like I got kicked out of a group wow. and like had people coming on. To, I had to block like 20 people from my Facebook page because wow. they were just attacking me for loving men. And I'm like, these you know, we live in a paradoxical world. We need to learn how to manage the paradoxes as opposed to like just can I curse here? Like just fucking yeah, attacking yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah. I cuss a lot. So. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many things you said there. Oh my God. Um are you are you familiar with Eckhart Tolle? I'm assuming you you, you might be a fan of his, right? Or Of course, yes. Yeah. So I heard him speak uh, a year or two ago and I remember one thing that really stood out to me. He, I had never thought about it this way, but it's like what you just said, is that we are not our thoughts. And I think a lot of people just assume the the thoughts and the, the voices in your head and the ideas and things floating around, that that's somehow you. But he was 
proffering this idea that I had never heard of before, which is like, no, there's me. And then there's all these ideas and thoughts and, and everything and emotions. And, but those are kind of like external to me. And we can kind of interface with these thoughts and ideas and kind of pick and choose and let things come and go. But it's not really us. And when I heard him talk about that, I was like, wow, I, I had never thought about it. And that was kind of a shift for me uh, a year or so ago. But is that, are you, you would think that as well? Oh my gosh, I can, I can rap about this, this for, um, <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And I've, I've experienced, I'm actually experiencing it right now in the moment. I'll tell you that, you know, after I tell you this first piece, but uh-huh. in, in 2018, the theme, so I produce a big concert every year. Feminine Weapon Day is January 30th. And it's an experience, like a bunch of women come together and we um, produce an event that raises funds for children of abuse, extreme poverty, and trafficking. Mm-hmm. And in and we pick a theme every year. So 2000, you know, 2017 going to 2018, this theme came to me. It was our fifth year. Of, um, of For the Love of Men. We've done this show for five years and men have every year have come out and they've supported us. They've, um, they've you know, I've bartered all the venues from them. They've donated half the money. Like they just, they really rallied to support the, this experience. Mm. And so I was like, this is the theme. Like this is the download. Like the theme this year is For the Love of Men. A week later, what unfolded in the public forum oh, was God. me too. And yeah. then time's up. Yeah. And I'm like, but I, so I, I started and I, I have this theory. My theory is um, that um, man's life purpose is to make women happy and women are to wholeheartedly love men. So I was branching out in the world that this is my theory. Of course, that's triggering to a lot of people. <laughs> right. um, and, um, and so I, I, um, Oh, so getting back to the point is that during this, you know, the show, I was, um, seeking a host of my show and I'm in LA and I was meeting with this really successful actress and we had met up um, and I was, you know, connected to her. She could be the host of the show. Um, and um, at the end of the night of us being together, she looked at me and she said, you know, Christina, I want men to be afraid right now. I I was in a meeting the other I was in a meeting and a man put his hand on on my shoulder and then quickly put it away. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what I can do right now. And she said, I looked at him and I said, good, you should be scared. Hmm. I knew in that moment that she was not the host of the show that year. And I, and I also knew that like, she's going through her own experience and I'm not going to attach her to be like that. Because I knew that like when she got out, when we departed from each other, that I was able to say, well, look at all these other guys of what they're doing. Like there are great men out in the world and maybe that, you know, resonated with her, but it's a a little bit of a a seed and I'm not going to attach her to like, this particular actress is a man hater. Like I'm going to let her go through her experience. And like, I don't like, I'm not going to leave her there in that space. Second, I'll share one just other story because this is a personal one now of of a current experience that I'm in. Um, Cause I am, you know, my deep in is a relationship company and, and I'm single and I desire to be in, um, you know, I, I I don't have a need for a relationship. I have a desire for a relationship. And I was exploring something with, um, with, with a man and he had, um, and I had, we had spent like a, a, you know, a good, like a a significant time, like 18 days straight together. Um, 
and this is like a new connection with him. Wow. And, and it, it was, it was going beautifully. And then, you know, four days before we departed, I had said, I had this idea of like, what if when we get back that we don't speak for three months? Wait, have you seen that movie Serendipity? I haven't. Oh, wow. Cause it's just the same kind of thing happens in that movie. So oh, really? Like, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You'll have to tell me what well, I'll tell you, you know, the, 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 the story unfolded as like, I um, so I say that thought, he's disturbed by it. And then he shares, he's like, you know, I think we would be great together and blah, blah, blah. And he, he wants to explore. And I was like, oh, so I shifted. I moved past my thought. It became a joke like with my friends. Like I was like, I said this to him. And they're like, you said what? You might as well go three years. Um, what about three days, Christina? And I knew that was like my... um. I wasn't, I was like trying to navigate, like, is, I was, I was first assessing, like, are we good together? And I don't know. And maybe some space away will give me some, um, um, will give me like clarity. And, and it was this, you know, idea that came to me, but once we talked about it, moved to, I, I threw it away. We never went a moment. We never went, I'm sorry. We never went like two days without speaking since we have returned from this adventure. And now this morning, um, we have, um, we parted ways from each other and well, are you, are you guys located remotely now? Um, we're, yes, we're located remotely. Yes. And so there's, but I, I can see of me saying that when I said, um, that we should, um, that, that, he took that so literally that it was never moved past it. So I became that thought. And, and that, wait, I wait, wait, what, you mean, you mean by you suggesting that we take uh, what was the period three months apart of not speaking? Yes. That the way he processed that was kind of like, it was a, a an action of distance from you to him that he felt right. Yes. Yeah. And he wasn't able to get over that. And he felt a distance from you because of that. Just yep. suggesting that idea. Yep. Mm. And that created a whole story um, um, that, I mean, this is my observation of it. Of mm. course, there's two, but like for, for me, it kind of came to um, a halt today because I could just see of that, that moment, those thoughts of like, we do, you know, we're a society, we do have fears of love. We do become, um, what is that? Esther Perel calls it um, stable in, in ambiguity. <laughs> Stable ambiguity. In, yeah. Yes. Stable uh-huh. ambiguity. Meaning, we're we're like we we become um um we're 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 okay with being aloofness. Like we're scared of commitment. We're scared of really like showing up into love. Like we are we are a society who's I I think like we're if you send some bell hooks work we're a society that's fearful love this is interesting interesting are you are you speaking specifically of romantic love um i'm well everything begins in romantic love um that's really? where we're you would well, say that i would say that doesn't it? it's male I, and female i, I, I would procreate. say i would say i would say everything starts with friendship but or like on a deeper <laughs> level you know it's like well like i i was just having uh i don't remember if i because i i told you tommy tommy danger my friend and i um, we talked for four hours. I can't remember if this is in the four hours or just us talking outside of that. But one thing we were talking about was uh, like kind of our romantic past and like people we've slept with before. And, and I was like, dude, I most of the girls I've been with, like I didn't even really 
like him that much as, as people. So it was purely physical, but you know what I'm saying? So I think in order for me to really fall in love with somebody though, or like have a, a deeper sexual or intimate, like a holistic love connection, like we're talking about, I have to really like the person first as a friend. Mm-hmm. So for me, love kind of stems out of friendship, quote unquote. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that thought. I like that framing because, well, in friendship, um, in friendship, you're really authentic. Right. You yeah. you reveal all parts of yourself. You're not keeping secrets. Right. Um, so I, I, I love that. Yeah, you're really like liking somebody. So I can, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. However, where I say everything begins in romantic love is that, um, and, 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 and deep like is that I'm talking about procreation. <laughs> I'm talking about children coming into the, how, yeah, how this life is what keeps the this, species going. Yeah. This is yeah. what, so, so you hope that, yeah, this is what, that's, that's what I mean. Like we are born, you know, from erotic um, desire and love. And when a child is born into a loving family and is, is shown pure love and is born through love through two people loving each other, um, then I think that that is actually what will change the world is when we can, um, when man and woman come together, when we get rid of like the, you know, the rape and the um, 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 uh, uh, parentless families. Um, there's 150 million orphans worldwide. <laughs> like these are children that are born. There, there's 70 million yeah. children that are born without even, are, who are alive right now who have no single living parent. That's crazy. So that's what I mean when I'm I'm saying yeah, and I do think there's a a, a a solid relationship is definitely built on 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 friendship. It's it's super important, and that and that takes courage um, to to really reveal all pieces of yourself. And I was even sharing in the situation that I went through is um, uh, experiencing is that I. Um, you know, this person is actually navigating other relationships. And I was like, wait, I'm, I didn't, I'd rather be your friend right now. (laughs) Like I'd rather get to know about what you're experiencing than to be the other woman, (laughs) like go, like I, 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 um, cause in friendship, I love when my relationships start off in friendship, there's no games. It's just, it's just authenticity. Right. Yeah. I think you posted, uh, didn't you raise a question uh, sometime in the last week? I thought I saw on Facebook. I didn't reply to it, but I thought I saw it where you were talking about polyamory versus monogamy. Did you? Post yeah, it? I did because so deepen, um, deepen when we we're we um, were birthed in LA, and um, we were in person experiences, and now coronavirus is happening. We we had a plan to roll out with we were creating essentially class pass for human connection experiences, um, and then. Yeah. And so we had this plan to roll out to 46 cities over the next five years with these in-person experiences. And then coronavirus happened and we've now gone mm. online. Right. So Deep Deepin is now a network, an online network of interactive experiences. And we have one called Mind Sports. Uh, and Mind Sports is an, an experience, a live experience that you can come to that um, we uh, we debate dualities of choice so we get really opinionated people and and it's fun and so the next one the next topic so we did um we started uh in july with mass versus no mass and we just 
we just did <laughs> socialism. We just did socialism versus capitalism Ooh. with a, a guest. We had Charles Eisenstein as a guest. Um, and then this next one, mind sport, the next topic on September 2nd is polyamory versus monogamy. Mm. This is cool. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Jubilee and what they're doing as well. No. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So it's Jubilee, I think that's what they're called, Jubilee. They're, they're a YouTube channel but they are doing all kinds of things that are very much like this they either bring individuals kind of head-to-head or groups they'll do all kinds of things like they have a, a couple different formats for different episodes but um one thing they'll do is they'll bring like like do all christians think the same and then they'll they'll pose a question I, have you seen mm-hmm. have you seen this have you seen one of so these? this is this is actually really important because our host of yes ends we have another experience guest done by Amari Anderson, oh, our cool. guide by Amari Anderson, and he is from Jubilee. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. He, so he did. He did. Yeah, these these line where they put people, they put uh-huh. people on, on one line, and then they're like, um, you know, uh, they they ask a question, did. and then there's uh, like a scale of you know strongly yep. agree, disagree. Yeah, yeah. So our yes and experiences are these are yes are, are based off of these. Um, oh, okay. Are very in lines with what Jubilee is doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love all this stuff, you know, and I, I think a lot of them are more like they'll have three people who are pro-feminist, three people who are anti-feminist. They raise a question and then they, if you agree with the question, you come together to this smaller group and you talk about why you believe in that. And then the other people come and you debate. So I, I love all this stuff because um, it, it's also interesting to look at the uh, the YouTube comments on, on, you know, down below. Uh, cause that's a whole nother, you know, shit storm over there. Just listening to people go back and <laughs> forth, you know, but, um, yeah, I find all this stuff fascinating and I, I think it's, it's so necessary and I'm glad you're doing it because we have all these differences on all these topics. That's, that's a given. And what's happening now is it's only, these issues are only providing more and more of a wedge between these different camps. So if you try to pose these questions in such a way where, People can actually civilly listen to each other and express their views and understand each other, even if you don't agree at the end of the day. Like, I think that's healthy. You know, it's healthy for men and women. It's healthy for humanity, for society, you know. Well, conflict, you know, conflict is necessary in all relationships. I actually love the idea of thinking of like what we've learned from romantic love, because what what can, you know, to have a healthy loving relationship, you have to experience con- conflict and, and be able to navigate conflict because um, that's innate. You have two separate individual people coming together with differences, opinions and, and mindsets and, um, and thoughts and, and, and conditionings. So when you um, bring people together to have these like, you know, thoughtful discourse, um, John Kirkpatrick, one of our advisors, um, he uses this like idea of like, you know, it's striving for thoughtful discourse, striving to, because in order to, to really change, we have to like hear all sides mm-hmm. and we have to accept the paradoxes. So yeah, it's so fun. I love having these like, and people are so passionate about their, their perspectives. So uh-huh. I just, I, I love bringing people into a room and it's been really fun to, to do it, uh, you know, as an interactive experience. So it's not that like, you're just watching the content happen. You're watching the debate or the, these experiences unfold. You're actually a part of them. Like you can, 
you know, you can, you can share your thoughts and express them and everyone's chatting with each other. And then we gather in an after party space. Um, so people can continue the conversations and connect. This sounds awesome. I love it. So wait, so Come. because, because of, but you guys aren't doing it anymore in the real world though now, right? We're doing it in the online space, which so, is giving, which is fascinating because before we were only in LA. Um, and so our experiences were limiting because mm-hmm. you had to show up in Beverly Hills at 7 PM on a Thursday. And now you can show up from your home anywhere in the world and tune in <laughs> to these really interesting conversations, which creates more diverse, um, more diversity of thought and of experience. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely, I'll definitely check it out. And of course I'll post uh, the link to all that in the, the show notes so more people can get, can get into it. Um, yeah, this sounds awesome. Um, so you guys, <laughs> so Pat, you're going, but you were, you're saying something about, you're asking the question of polyamory versus monogamy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Was, were you going into that for some? Particular? Uh, I don't know what I was going to say about that specifically. Um, well, I mean, I know you brought that question up. Did it, well, I don't know what people were saying, but what were people saying about it? Was there, were there some takeaways for you? Like in, in general, like were men kind of feeling this way about it? Were women like, or was it like, what were your kind of findings, I guess? Um, I think from going into um, LA, like LA tends to have, like, you know, you have a, 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 a curious, like seek, seekers, um, seekers tend to, you know, when you're, you're seeking, and I do think that the, the fear of love is in playing into, um, my personal views on, on polyamory. Um, I do think we're in a society that has not grown up in experiencing healthy monogamy. Um, so there's, when something has not, when you haven't been able to, when you haven't seen role models, role modeling, to you a healthy relationship and in our educational curriculums they don't include you know they're 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 not even really teaching sex ed right now let alone relational skills so um you do have a a a world out there that is like developing fears of love fears of going deep fears of being with one person um you know, we have a divorce rate at 50%. Mm-hmm. And so when people see that, they do go, well, that's not working. So I'm going to go to polyamory over to this way, because that seems more than I don't have the, um, I don't have to commit. I don't, I can explore, I can seek. And, and I truly like m- my thing is I actually believe in soulmate. Um, I think there are many soulmates this lifetime, but I, um, cause, cause you, you know, you come together with, with different people to experience, but like finally you get to a place and, and you, um, in order to, 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 to find your, you know, quote unquote soulmate, you have to have done so much work on yourself to understand yourself that God universe creator, if you believe in any of that sort of thing, I do, um, like, well, give you like, like, we'll be like, you've come as far as you've gone alone. So here's this person that will take you to, um, the next level. Uh, that's an interesting theory about, it's like how much you work on yourself and prepare yourself as a prerequisite to connecting with your soulmate. Cause I don't know that I agree about, I don't know that I agree with that. Cause, but what about the, the kids who are 15 years old and they just happen to stumble into their soulmate and they, you know, they, they live together until they're 90 and they're happily married, you know? That's beautiful. We all, our souls come to this world all with different, um, like 
all all completely uniquely different and are we're provided the environments that we need to grow. I think the purpose, you know, one of the purpose of life is growth to continue to, you know, evolve and grow through our experiences through the darkness. Like the darkness is so important. Dark and light actually work together. So the darkness that we see in the world, I loved with like the incident of like George Floyd and what broke out is because it, did provide an opportunity for unity. People went deeper into conversations. Some people, yeah, went far off in this, but like it made you ponder. It made you like, who are my people? Like even in the moment that's happening of, uh, you know, of how we got connected on a recording this podcast, it was like, who is out of the echo chamber? Who is thinking, you know, willing to um, explore and go deep into thought? So um, I, I, I think that, yeah, you can, um, you, you, you can, you can experience great love. Like all of our experiences are soulmates. We have many soulmates. Um, and so we get to continue to journey. Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting for you to use the term soulmate. Cause like, I, I agree with you in the sense I would, I would phrase it more like people in your life, whether they're friends or lovers for a certain period of time. And I encourage you to go back and listen to the unfriend episode that I um, okay. was pointing you to. Cause I talk about this, about friends what a friend is and the different kinds of friendships, but also like uh, a certain timeline for, for certain friendships. And I think the same goes for lovers and in, in, in dating and relationships is you can look at it as we're failing at monogamy. We're failing at a deeper love that lasts forever. Or you can also look at it as like being realistic and pragmatic about the nature of life and human beings and men and women and, you know, societal structures and struggles with career and, 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 and children and all of these things that happen in a, in a human lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I look at it as, and, and maybe I'm just kind of jaded now after everything I've been through, but I look at it as like, well, you know, uh, I love this person right now, or, you know, I love having this person in my life right now, but I don't know about next year, you know, like, and, 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 and to the point of the trajectories that we're on, right. Cause you're talking about growth. I'm totally with you on that in the sense that like, I think a human being's development, it's all about expanding your mindset, having new experiences, growing as a person and and your understanding Mm -hmm. of the world and and, and self-actualization. All of these things are are so fundamental to the human experience that I think often just get drowned out in the monotony and the drudgery of of day-to-day life and paying bills and going to work. I think because of the course of my life, because I live such an independent life, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs probably are more in this space, where we have a little bit more time and, and flexibility to kind of explore, you know, different business ideas or different lifestyle uh, ideas, um, different constructs for how we interact with people. I mean, it sounds like this is totally what you're all about, and like I'm also about that in my own way. But I don't know. Like I've I've kind of come to a place where I'm like. I've started to unfriend some people who I do have history with and I did care about. And it's not that I don't care about them anymore, but I just feel like right now moving forward, I don't think they're part of my story anymore. And, you know, cause when you interface with certain people and they bring you down continually, it's not just about being on the same page about a particular topic or subject. Cause like you and I, or any of my closest friends or like my friend Tommy was here, like we can disagree about, you know, foreign policy or wearing masks or any of these things. And it's fine. It doesn't destroy or 
you know what I mean? There's not a toxicity to it in the relationship, even though we disagree on all these issues. But I think with certain other people, especially in the, in the age we're living in now, I just feel like the, the differences of opinion, that's not the problem, but it's the trigger. It triggers very quickly what is the problem. And the problem, as I see it with me and a lot of other people, and uh, is like, I, I think you and I are on the same page about like, we both want to feel free to explore ideas. And we're both okay with being wrong, like all the time. Like I, I'm humble in that sense of like, I've been wrong about so much in my life, but I'm okay with that, you know, because I, I, I see it as it's part of the process. So when I get people attacking me and, and telling me that I'm wrong about something on Facebook, I'm like, you know, make your case. I'll look into it. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, you know, but as I see it right now, I'm right about, <laughs> about this particular issue, you know, but I think it takes a certain type of person, which I think there's a rarity of these people, you know, but I think that's why I tend to connect with just a few individuals here and there. And I've sensed that from what you've been posting on your Facebook and I'm enjoying this conversation with you as well. So it's like, you seem like the per kind of person you can let ideas kind of come and flow through you. It's all about growth and understanding and exploring different ideas and connecting with people in different ways. And I love all of that. But I, I think, I don't want to sound arrogant about it, but I feel like you and I and people like this are somewhat in the minority because the, the masses of people or the very vocal mobs of people out there are just so hell-bent on their perspective and shouting down the opposing point of view. Yeah. And two, it's so many people are wounded. Yeah. <laughs> like where we're born and when you're not born into love, you're born into like wounding and these experiences and we build up like um, walls and barriers and we're a society that has become so offended. Like that's yeah. the thing. It's like the theme of like, I'm you, how dare you say <laughs> how dare that? You, right? How dare you? And, and that's like, you know, one of the things where when I pose that question, about the mass part of that came from is like, you know, uh, the fear of public speaking is one of the greatest fears that we have. I've, mm -hmm. I've had, I personally had to overcome a fear of public speaking. Like I used to be terrified like, to record a podcast. I would have been terrified years ago. Wow. Um, and I, I was, when I had my own podcast going into it, I was terrified. The first few episodes that I did on my podcast, I was so nervous. And, um, and I realized you know, I've studied Kabbalah. So a lot of kind of a, a lot of my way of being is grounded in the, the wisdom of Kabbalah. And, um, and know, one of the things I know nothing about any of that. Okay. Well, Kabbalah is, is just, it's so, so Kabbalah is about, you know, is about overcoming your fears that everything happens outside of your comfort zone, that we're here to, to grow and evolve and become better versions of ourselves to self-correct. Some people don't like that term self-correct. Um, so for me, I had this big fear of public speaking and my teacher at the time I was, I was, I was talking to him. He said, well, you know, that's your ego. And I was mm -hmm. like, what, what do you mean by my ego? I don't have an ego. What are you talking about? He's like, well, yeah, you're so good. <laughs> you're so concerned what other people think about you right. and, and feel about you that you're afraid to be yourself. Yeah. Um, and that you're not like, you know, first we have to go on self-discovery. That's another thing that's neglected in our educational curriculum. They don't teach people to be themselves, um, to discover who they are as individuals. You teach the same programming to every student. You know, I, I think a lot of things that I think a lot of people are in the wrong jobs. 
50 um, percent <laughs> yeah. of the population aren't even good at their jobs because yeah. they're doing the wrong job. Yeah. But, you know, if then then so you get to the, um, you know, the, the, the fear of public speaking and you go deeper into it's like. And so I knew that I knew personally that I needed to self-correct that. Like I needed to get over myself of once I viewed these things, you know, and a lot of people first off don't even have the, um, are, we're, we're spiritually malnutritioned. So we're growing up in this world that's spiritually malnutritioned. We've run away from churches and from communities. And so, yeah, a lot of people aren't willing to dig deeper because that would deconstruct the reality. And if you deconstruct the reality, they have to look around in their environment and, and they have to change. And change is scary. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Hard and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Like to even end a relationship that's not healthy for you. That's scary because there's, you know, a lot of people are in, there's a lot of couples stay together for money. Like if I, if I'm not with you, where am I going to, how am I going to be supported? Where am I going to live? And that's scary. So I'm going to stay in this household that is a, a toxic environment for me because yeah. I don't know how to get, and, and we've never given people the skill set or the tools to actually move past it. So when you, we pose these questions on Facebook and people react and get triggered, it's there, it's because like in order for them to accept that thought that you're putting out there, they have to then, they have to everything we're all connected everything is connected so then they have to you know they would they would they would have to change <laughs> so let me ask you that directly responding to that like of all these people you're kind of i don't want to say you like you're working with all these people but you're you know there's people in your sphere where you're you you're, you're like an agent of change right like you you want to really make this world a better place i get that sense and mm-hmm. uh, with your efforts do you feel like what percentage of people are actually getting kind of what you're, I don't want to say what you're selling, but you know, like, you know, or are kind of getting it. And are you seeing change in a lot of people or just like a handful of people? Um, I think it, 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 it all depends on, you know, hate to use this consciousness, but like your, your level of consciousness and awareness and, and what your programming was or conditions. But I have seen, I've been doing this. I, I'm kind of like the oddball of my family. Sometimes I, I feel like an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, and I'm the one who I left Maryland. I went to New York City for 12 years, then went to, you know, L.A. and lived there for four years. And I've traveled to Bali and I've made I've lived my life like, you know, I quit. Jo- I quit jobs in my 20s. Every two years, I'd be like, I quit this. I quit this. I quit this. And I was keep moving up each time. But I would just be mm-hmm. like, what else is there? What else is there? And yeah. then I developed this passion of, of relationships. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. And then I, you know, couch surfed and lived on people's couches so I could follow my dreams. So I was all about, you know, taking risks. And so that that is, you know, that's in my, you know, innate design is to like be a risk taker and to follow like my intuition, like I've been just following it. And so, um, back to your original question, take me back to your original question. Cause I feel like I just got off of it a little bit. What the original um, question is. Well, I was asking like these ideas you're putting forth, are they getting through to oh, people? Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's the, that's so, um, yes, um, they are. And I saw it in my family. So my, my family, um, you know, my, my, um, sister-in-law who, um, she, um, has watched me throughout this journey. And there's times throughout this journey that she's admitted that she was jealous of me. And like, you got to go and do whatever that you wanted. And, 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 
So only recently in, in coronavirus, when my, um, you know, after that happened and her family started feeling like panic and panic attacks. And, um, you know, my, my brother ended up in the hospital because he thought he was having a heart attack and just all this stress. And so she, she said to me, she said, I finally understand what you're doing. I've had people who have come to me and said, Oh, I finally understand why I should meditate. Like I'm seeing people who aren't in the conscious quote unquote bubble of like, you know, ecstatic dance and like freedom that they're starting to see like, Oh, like, you know, we've seen over the the years, this progression of, um, of courses and curriculums and transformational work and Tony Robbins and, mm-hmm. um, and, and people like that have started to surface even more. People are, are seeking more because they're unhappy. And so, um, it, it, like what, what happens is when, when, when there's an opportunity and right now the world we're in, we're experiencing a lot of trauma with, you know, coronavirus to, to then George Floyd, which spend this racism like we're we're then we're going into the election and a lot of people are being triggered and there's a lot of trauma happens so what happens when trauma happens is that you have an opportunity there's it creates an opportunity for post-traumatic growth <laughs> yeah I like and that. yeah. that's when anyone when you go through tragedy when you go through when you're cracked open you yeah. get to decide where do you go from there and so i see people do change that's what, you know, when after sometimes like you never want to wish cancer on somebody, but you've all experienced when somebody goes through their rock bottom, you, you can't go down anymore. You have to, you have to make a change or you got to die. Yeah. There, there's this, uh, DJ artist guy who I just recently got turned on to from a friend. Uh, I think it's, it's called Akira the Dawn. And mm-hmm. he's got this one song where it's the kind of music style. Like I actually, I've started to get into music production a little bit. So I actually want to start recording and doing my own, a lot of sampling and, and music like that. But I cool. love this. I love this track. It's just called good. And it's, it's very, I think he's sampling a lot from uh, this guy. I forget the guy's name, but he's one of these like bodybuilder, uh, like inspirational figure guys. And he's talking about, he gives all these examples in the song, you know, to the beat. And it's just like, you know, lost your job. Good. You know? And then he's just like, it just means you got more time to, you know, explore more skills. And it's just like, more time to get better. Didn't get funded. Good. We own more of the company. Didn't get the job. And he just keeps going down this list of like a scenario where something bad happens. And he's like, good. You know? And it just like, in the whole song is just like, good. You know? And I'm, I listen to it now when I go work out, when I go run, it's like on repeat for the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, you would love that. I'll I'll send the track to you later. You'd love it. Please, please do. I I do. Yeah, <laughs> I I I love that. Like we, when we go through challenge, if you if you if you get curious about your challenges and your roots, like, you know, of where did that come from? Where did that trauma come from? Like, it's it's an, it's fascinating to explore your own psyche. I, I wish more people would just like go deep inside of themselves and explore their own psyche. Let me ask you this: Do you do you feel like? I mean, you're on such a wild journey. I love it. Like you're just like doing what you want to do and you're out there. Do you feel like, I almost feel like I know what you, what you would answer, but like if you, <laughs> Try found, me. if you found the right guy, it wouldn't be like he's holding you back from all this you want to do, but it would be, he would be more a part of that journey and supportive. Right. But I'm guessing that would be your ideal answer. But do you feel like dating and relationships and, and 
for a long-term kind of thing where you have to commit yourself more to making the relationship work, do you feel like that would take you away from your individual path to growth and all the things you want to accomplish in your life? Like, is, is there a fear of ending up on your own in the end after all is said and done? Or is it more like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm kind of, you, know, you can feel free to answer that however you want, but. Mm-hmm. Um, great question. <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's definitely been a journey. I started, so where we met underground and attached, which was that dating experience, uh-huh. um, was created in 2014 out of this desire. Like I want a relationship and through this journey, I've ex- experienced many. And, and also I'm, I'm 39 years old. I would love to have a family. Like I would love to experience childbirth and like bring a child into it and raise a child in a loving family. Um, so there is a desire that I have for that. And I also trust, like I've surrendered to my path. I, I have the intention for that. And I'm, my company is all based upon that, but like, I'm not, I want, um, a partner who I can, yeah, I can ground into who's supportive of my mission in the world and wants to play into it and wants to, um, to have like to show up for um like the realness of a relationship and i will make space for it yes my world is like um i i'm i'm at a you know i i i have so much love all around me and so much community all around me that this next person like to then blend our lives together and to like and and two is um, my partner is probably gonna have to is is gonna be someone who has to have like their own passion like their own something in the world that like is like lights them up and is mm-hmm. like and is really important to them and we can geek out on that together and support each other in the growth but like someone who's like probably building something or creating something or just like so um like feels guided by source too and I um. I'm just like, I I meet people all the time. So I'm like, really, I'm open, um, but I'm not like a dater. I'm not like one who jumps on a dating app and and, (laughs) and starts swiping around to find something. I just, you know, I've been very blessed that, um, so, so there's, there's these four, there's these four relational principles that I have that has really resonated with me. It's the four principles of a conscious relationship. And those principles are, um, Number one, no attachment to outcome. Growth comes first. That doesn't mean that you don't have fantasies about like how this could turn out, but you're not attached to that, you know, growth comes first. Mm -hmm. So I look at all my connections of like, how am I growing here? And like, when has the growth stopped? Like, did I get my lesson? But like, I I will, so no attachment to outcome, growth comes first. Um, Two is that, um, is that both, partners agree to own their own shit like they're not blaming each other for their experiences they're sharing their experiences authentically like when you said that i felt this it's not saying like don't say that or i'm blaming you for that mm-hmm. it's like it's like this this is this is me i'm going to own my own experience i'm owning my own shit i'm owning my own triggers um third principle is that um no internal process is condemned and all feelings uh, all feelings and thoughts and emotions are welcome. So you're not holding anything back. You're, you know, everything, bring everything into the table um, and, and don't, you know, 
don't, um, um, and I'm not going to judge you for your own process and you're not going to judge me for my own process. Mm -hmm. And then four is the relationship is a place to practice love. Like, how can I, how can I, how can I keep like being in this practice of like, of love and showing up for love? And sometimes loving somebody is letting them go. And sometimes loving, like, like, you know, it's loving someone is being right by their side and staying. So like what serves the highest purpose of this connection, of this friendship, of this person's growth and evolution? Um, so I do, I have like an intention and desire and a, a longing um, to, um, to, to, to be able to do those four principles in a relationship, but a place to practice love, like, oh, that just like, that I want the I, w- I would love to take all those four principles and actually have a society that <laughs> agreed to like yes let's 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 live like that even in our workplaces. Yeah. I mean, as you describe it, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. That sounds like a very healthy relationship. That sounds like very ideal. I guess this is where uh, let me let me interject here. So, like, I think part of my struggle over the years has been the gap between idealism and and having a clear vision of the way things should be, which I, I totally agree with what you just described. That sounded perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the reality, which is so far from that. So that was my, so a little bit, a lot of people listen, they already know my background, but like I grew up Christian. Uh, my dad's a pastor and I grew up in the army. So a lot of these things have, have shaped who I am today um, but I grew up very conservatively, religiously, Christianity, and in the military, we moved around every few years. So toward the end of my Christian journey, I guess you could say, like uh, around 30, I I couldn't take it anymore. I couldn't take the going to church every week and hearing the ideal you know, description of Christianity and how beautiful it is and how wonderful it is to be loved by Christ and all that stuff. And then, all right see you later. Like we're done with church. And then it's like, huh? Like, I don't feel any reality of this in, in my life or my surroundings or the people in my life or community or anything. And that gap is what did me in. And eventually I was like, yeah, there's just, there's not, it's just pie in the sky. It's not really real. So me having said that, do you struggle with, it sounds like you've given it a lot of thought and you have, have described a very beautiful picture of the, what you want in a man and in a relationship and that everybody should want that in society, like you said, and I, I, I agree, but how do you, how do I, how, like, how do you deal with that not being the reality though? I, I don't, it is, it is my reality. <laughs> um, I'm not, I don't feel a lack of that. I actually feel that's what I'm experiencing. I feel that, you know, this, um, you know, what I, what I shared personally and, and, and two is I, I, I live my life completely like authentic. So I go into my team meetings, uh, leading my team meetings. And like, we ask, like, how can we be supportive? Like, what are you experiencing? So all parts of life are brought into all the environment. And I've, I've struggled with this, you know, do you mix, um, business with pleasure and and how does that, you know, how do those two things come together? But I think in my reality of what I just described to you is actually how I'm doing my relationships. And I don't feel a lack in them 
Like I still have, I, I have longing and desire and desire is actually why we're alive. Like if I didn't have desire, I would just, I wouldn't wake up in the morning. Right. Um, so desire is what keeps me going. And I also, you know, have this trust and I'm trusting, you know, like I'm, I'm trusting source that, um, if this, you know, this, this connection that I had, as I felt like I grew so much, I learned through this connection, like about my fear of abandonment. <laughs> I learned like where that came from as, as a child. Like I learned that, you know, when I was, um, 17 years old, my father sat me on the steps and told me he didn't love my mom anymore. And then at the same time I had my, was in my first love, my, you know, high school sweetheart love. And he, um, he was, um, cheating on me. Um, and friends were telling me, Hey, you know, he's cheating on me, cheating on you. Um, or, and, but I'd go to him and I'd be like, you know, what's happening. He was like, no, 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 I would never cheat on you. Never. And so I, it was like a, wait, what? And then ultimately come to find out after he did break up, it was that, um, he, uh, yeah, he, he was, <laughs> he was. So it's, it's been this like journey of growth in every week. I, over the weekend, um, actually wrote down all the relationships I've had with men. Um, and there's, <laughs> I there's did that what, last year too. I made a spreadsheet actually. Really? And you can just learn. Can you see your growth? Like I can just look at no, each. I learned, uh, no? I learned some different lessons. <laughs> we'll, we'll get into that later. I'm so curious. Yeah, but go ahead, uh, go on, go on, go on. So I, I wrote down, yeah, all my relationships and I can just see the growth that I've like come and be able to really authentically share myself to not hold back. I can see the times and relationships where I felt that I love somebody, um, but I was scared to say it. And then there's, you know, times within this relationship, I was courageous and I shared and I each time as I get to know myself better, I'm able to share more um, authentically about like, you know who I am and what I want and like, or what, what I desire. And, 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 and I have hope that like someone is going to meet me in that space. Like I will be met. Um, and if not, so, so back to like, I, I also am so fulfilled in my work and like my passion. Cause I, I feel like I'm, yeah. I'm actually igniting my gifts of, of what I'm, I'm doing. Like I created my job mm -hmm. and I absolutely love it. And it's about relationships, about the thing that I'm so you know, fascinated by, and it's about love. And so I look at it like, okay, my attention should be focused here because if this person isn't, if somebody else isn't ready to meet, like I just know that through the journey, I'm just going to keep growing and evolving and learning. And I've told myself before that like maybe I'll be on my deathbed and like turn to like the person beside me and like the, you know, and, and see a man and be like, Oh, Hey, it's you. <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm, I'm so um, open. And, and, and it won't, again, it, I, and it won't be like, it's too late. You'll, you'll still look at it like, Oh, well, you know, it, I met you yeah. and that's what matters. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I'll keep, like, I'll keep like staying open for someone who I think, and I think what, what's coming up for me right now is like so many, um, people are so scared to love. Yeah. Like they're so scared to jump in and just give it a fucking try. Um, and, um, and I'm so grateful for 
the ones who haven't because they haven't been right for me because and and two is nothing real is ever threatened so anything that we're going throughout the journey anyone that I've had an experience with could come back into my life um and I'm open so I just I'm not going to get into a relationship that's unhealthy I'm not going to get so I know my nervous system and I know that like I need to be in connection with people that are lifting me up and so I've been able to drop into my feelings and when I feel I know what anxiety feels like because of, you know, Amir Levine's book on attached, you know, he classifies that we have um, each have a different um, attachment style. Oh yeah. The girl I did it last year, she thought we should read that together and we got that book. Yeah. How did it turn out reading it together? Um, Well, we broke up before we finished the book, but. so, yeah, so we different, you know, based upon our childhood, different relationships activate our, our nervous system in different ways. And like, you know, some people are avoidant. Some people are, he yeah. says, you know, it's secure, avoidant, right, um, right. anxious. Yep. And so also being able to witness, like I can witness myself of what makes me anxious. And then I can communicate that to my partner and like and communicating to it they can be like oh i see how she feels and i can i can shift my behavior in some way to adapt to make her feel more easy and it's boundaries yeah. i think that another thing that we just we haven't accepted this idea of boundaries boundaries are so healthy yeah. boundaries give us direction <laughs> boundaries yeah. allows us to like to to really you know, assess compatibility because yeah. if someone can't meet your boundary, like, and, and someone, if you don't, and this was a lesson I had to learn because I was not good at boundaries. I actually, through the a previous relationship, most recently I discovered all my boundaries because I was like triggered constantly. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> now going into this next relationship, I clearly know my boundaries of how for me to maintain safety and a mental health, how to take care of my own mental health and relationships. So I'm just not willing to um, accept anyone who, who's, um, and, and granted, whether it's my, my own thing, and I'll continue to get curious about myself of how I can um, better. But if I, if I articulate it to somebody, um, hey, this boundary of mine, so like a boundary of mine right now is like, I don't want to be exploring a relationship with somebody who's unavailable. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that is, that's a boundary. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I need you to be available and to, and I am um, monogamous, like in, in all my sexual relationships. So I also need for that to feel safe, that you're uh, willing to, to explore that with me. And if you're not, and that's okay, but we're not a match right now. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just stay positive and I um, stay open, open, like my heart is open. Um, and And I, and through observation, you know, I think too, is like, it's not, you know, I think that us as a society, we've also gotten this idea of like, um, evolving a relationship and then what is engagement and then what is marriage? Like we're just, you know, essentially engagement means commitment because you're committing to something you're committing to. And we've got a little bit shifted in our culture right now of that because we date multiple people at once which means that we're in this constant state of searching and sorting mm-hmm. um so we're walking around being like are you the one are you the one are you the one but like when somebody stands there and is like okay let's explore this then you know there's sometimes like the 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 oh shit or like oh wait let me keep 
I'm, I'm still, we're, we're addicted to this searching and sorting. There's yeah. always can be somebody better. It's always like one foot in, one foot out, you know. That's, that's what I was saying with yeah. Esther Perel saying the, you know, the stable amb- ambiguity. Did I just mispronounce that word? <laughs> the stable ambiguity, right? Yes, that, exactly. Okay. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about, like, I was really happy to hear you say some of the things you said earlier about, like, your organization and the whole, your response to the Me Too movement and all that stuff. And it's really good for people to, for, for me to hear that, but for other people to hear that as well, for you to stand up for that. Because what I've seen in society and what I've felt and experienced is sort of a demonization of men. And I totally agree with you on boundaries, but I feel like a lot of times, I don't know where it begins, but in terms of like men being raised a certain way uh, and women are, you know, cause women are the ones who are always chit chatty and emotional and talking about all these things and getting in touch and, and men are more like the, huh, huh, you know, like there's that, <laughs> that myth about men, but you know, we're not really like that, but you know, the standard men are more like into playing sports and doing physical things and not sitting around having conversations about our feelings, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I think men have boundaries too. No, I think men definitely they have do. boundaries too. Mm-hmm. And um, there's kind of a lot of disrespect for that. Uh, like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Women in this past couple of years, they get together all the time on these like talk shows, like the talk and all these kind of things where it's just a gathering of women and they talk about dating and relationships and, um, and men and what's wrong with men, you know, and where did all the good men go? And, you know, men need to step up, men need to man up, you know, and just like on and on and on. Like I can give you a million examples of all this kind of terminology and rhetoric. And there was a, a gathering of men. There's this, something called like the 21 convention or something like that. I think they do it like annually. It, it's kind of like a pickup artist kind of thing, but it's also just like men, community and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and I think they had a theme last year that was like, and I could see why this is kind of inflammatory. I wouldn't have taken this approach with what they did, but whatever they did. And they had red hats and on the hats, you know, like Trump style. And it was like, make women great again. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So you see, you see where this is going. So basically, I'm liking it. This, this is okay. Keep going. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so they had this convention, and sure enough, right on cue, they got so much hate, so much hate online, and all these talk shows, like the talk, all these women shows, were like just relentlessly demonizing these men, you know, and being get women getting really defensive. How dare this? These men tell us like how women should be or like what they want out of a woman or, you know, that kind of tonality. And I was just sitting there like shaking my head, like, yep, yep. Right on cue, right on cue, (laughs) which is exactly what a lot of the points were that the men were making is that men, typically men are attracted to feminine women, you know, Mm -hmm. like they don't want to compete with their spouse, with their partner, with their lover. And it's not to say they want women at home, pregnant, barefoot, and, you know, cooking. And it's not that. But we've lost, you know, sometimes there's this, like, feeling that, like, that men want to go back to the good old days or back to the 50s where women just... I don't think that's what a lot of men want nowadays. Like, I think most healthy, 
strong, confident men now, they, they're fine with being with a confident, strong woman. You know, again, a lot of that rhetoric from those, the female camps is like saying, oh, they can't handle a strong woman. They don't want a strong woman. It's like, it's not that. It's, uh, there's still this idea of, well, I'm the man and you're the woman, right? Just stating that statement is like a radically offensive statement nowadays. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, this is the problem. Like, that's why a lot of men are, are checking out. And I'm kind of in that category as well. So, like, I don't know if you've heard of MGTOW. Have you heard of MGTOW? Mm-mm. Wow. MGTOW? Uh, MGTOW. M-G-T-O-W? Uh-uh. Wow. Okay. It's fascinating to me because, like, I just, you know how you just assume, like, people know, everybody knows that, you know? Like, everybody knows, like, intersectional you know, feminism or whatever, right? You know, well, well, I don't know that term. It's the term that you said. Oh, MGTOW stands for men going their own way. Many women going their own way? No, uh, men going their own way. Oh, okay. So, no. so you've never heard of this? No. Wow, okay. So um, what happened was uh, this girl who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, this is the last girl I've dated, and I broke up with her in March 2019. And it was a bad breakup. We dated only, I think it was like maybe like a month and a half or so. And bad breakup. And then the next day, my friend Tommy, who I had on the podcast, uh, I just had over my friend last weekend. He texted me. He's like, MGTOW. And I'm like, what do you mean MGTOW? What is that? And he's like, Google it. So I go the day after, you know, I'm out of this relationship. I Google MGTOW. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. Like, I I went down the rabbit hole. And I'm nervous. Yeah, I just, uh, definitely in your line of field, you should look into this and, and do some research into it. Because this is really, if you want to understand men and a lot of men out there. I think, I've studied men, so keep going. Yeah, <laughs> I think you should uh, definitely look into this, if not just from a pure research point of view. So I started learning all of these terms and all of these trends and data and, and stories and accounts and all these things of men and dealing with divorce and losing access to their children and <clears throat> the wage gap and, and, and all these things. And the concept of hypergamy alone. So have you heard of hypergamy? No. So hypergamy is essentially this idea that women date up so on the social market value, you know, like a, if a girl's a 10, right, or if a guy's a 10, it probably means they're rich, successful, tall, beautiful, all of that, right? And you know, if you're a one, you're, you know, you're really not going to be getting much loving. So it's kind of like, and there was like a Jubilee, there was like a Jubilee episode about this where it was like, uh, how would you rate you know, so there'll be like one girl and there'll be like 50 guys and like they line up and she's like rating them and then they break it down and then they, uh, so based on appearances alone, they would kind of rank people on a scale of one to 10. Um, and then she would go in and interview them and get to know them better. But like, so, you know, you're probably familiar with this idea, you know, like, oh, she's a 10 or like a seven or, Mm -hmm. you know, so Mm -hmm. on this social sexual market value, there's that scale. So there's kind of like, this understanding of, well, where do you fit on the scale? And a lot of people will be dishonest about sort of where 
they fit on the scale. And a lot of people, men and women, are, are a little bit, they have a misunderstanding about what the scale is and what things are actually valued by the opposite sex. So, but for example, men, and you probably already know this, but men value femininity and physical beauty, uh, being a nice person, being sweet, and typically being younger. You know, so basically this is like goes back for the history of mankind, like, you know, fertile, you know, child rearing and all that stuff. So when men are looking at women, they're looking at, you know, a younger woman, a woman who can give them children, you know. So whether they'll come out and be say these things or whether they're conscious of it, this is kind of what's implicitly been going on. They're kind of hardwired for this. So what's been happening in recent years with all of this, uh, you know, feminist movement is it's great for women and their careers and success and all that. But women now have started to see themselves as tens and nines, even as they get much older because they have a PhD, because they're a doctor, because they make six figures. And what they don't understand is like, yeah, men don't really care about that so much. You know? I love this conversation. <laughs> this is like the, the greatest conversation um, <laughs> ever. And you say a lot of really interesting things. And it a little bit goes back to my belief that man's life purpose is to make women happy and women are to be wholehearted lovers of men. And I think that the ego has blocked men from realizing that. And it, the ego has also blocked women from realizing that too. So women are essentially, you know, both men and women are wounded. So it, even that whole of like men going their own way, it's like, Oh, a bunch of wounded men, women getting upset about, um, you know, so during during that process of when I was ranting like for the love of men, of like let's love men, mm -hmm. I would I was so taken back by first off the um men some women told me that they had no male friends. When I'd ask them like who do you want is like who do you want to nominate? Like who what man in your life? They would be like, uh nobody. And some of these women were from one one friend from um Bulgaria living in New York City and had no she couldn't identify one man in her life that supports her, uplifts her and makes her happy. And, and then, you know, when you ask specifically of like women, when I would sit down with single women um, and, you know, and, and women generally come with a list, here's all the things that I want out of a guy. And I'd be like, put that list aside, <laughs> just put it aside and tell me all the yeah. things that you love about men. Mm. What do you love about men? Yeah. And some, we're acting dumbfounded by the question at first. Wow. And I was like, and the thing is that men don't know what we love about them for on the grander scale. But like, if I could sit and I, I can, I can rant you. I can tell you right now, here's what I love about men. I love feeling grounded in a man's presence. I love a man's strength. I love when a man opens the car door for me. I love when a man opens the door for me. I love when a man pays. I love um, I, I love the, um, the thoughtfulness of men. Like I love, um, just feeling like the sense of safety, like it, at night when I'm like, when I was, I, 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 another post that I did around, um, when I, you know, as, um, after George Floyd and after I started going down the like rabbit hole of like all the really dark shit happening in the world, like going deeper into hell. Cause you have to go to hell to like, see what's happening. We want to, you know, move past 
sex trafficking and human trafficking and pedophilia. Like you have to go into hell to see what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so I was like deep, deep in the rabbit hole. And I posed this question. I was like, can we bring marriage back for safety and security? And like, the thing is like, for the most part, like a lot of us are unsafe. Like we feel unsafe. The feminine feels unsafe. So I love men. Um, when you say uh, a lot of us, did you mean a lot of us women when you said that? Women. Okay. Yeah, like women. Yeah, there's like, there's moments of, of yeah, that I, I feel like I'm having to protect myself too, mm -hmm. because, you know, of this, um, uh, th this like, like the other night and I'm, I'm in this, I'm, I'm staying my parents home in Maryland right now. And it's a big house. And one of the, I was sleeping and like this, like the, the, um, the shade on my blinds just like jumped up in the middle of the night and I jumped and, or like, you know, when you're just, you, being a woman when you're home by yourself and there's like a, a noise that just kind of scares you but like if I'm next to a man I love feeling like like okay like yeah. I just feel this sense of like safety so I love that about men and I think that where is where we need to frame the conversation like telling like the, the gender of, of men instead i agree when women went into the feminist movement we kind of the, the things like if, again if we look at societal and we take those like four um principles of a conscious relationship between man and woman both genders are hurt you can even go back to adam and eve and then the golden calf and like you have like these like so so we need to as in order to really heal the world it's healing the relationship between man and woman and in order to that, it takes work and we have to be conscious about it. And we have to start blame, stop blaming the other, like, this is what you did wrong. This is what you did. So, so when the feminist movement happened, women for sure went into the workplace and they're like, we can do anything that a man can do. <laughs> right. And that's not how that's. And so that's created this, like, you know, this, um, sense of exhaustion because like for a man a woman to operate as a man a, a feminine and I, when i say man woman i also want to be cautious of like i'm also talking about feminine and masculine energy um and so yeah there there can potentially be a, a, a feminine man or a woman who's a man is more on the spectrum because everything's a spectrum um but but in the the workplace yeah women didn't weren't graceful they're like we need money too like we need this but women going into the feminist movement you also have to you know you can take it back to prohibition what did prohibition start prohibition start started because women were at home and their husbands were coming home wasted mm -hmm. and beating them and so you have a you you've got you go back into the history you see okay women were being you know beat by their men by their husbands who were going out and drinking and were supposed to be providing for their family and then alcohol spread and so then you have women who started showing up in front of the bars and just silently praying um, to to shift that and so there's <laughs> there's there's like the the hurtfulness that both genders have done to each other that hasn't been healed. And so we're going to continue this like um, rigmarole of like of blaming each other when if we just get back to like if, if you look at your life and you try on this principle, just try on this principle. Because during that time I ran it like man's life purpose is to make women happy. I bet you if you look back at all your relationships and why they end it, part of you felt I can't make her happy. Because mm -hmm. if if you. And, and it's not your responsibility to make her happy, not saying that, but like as, as the, the, the um, energetics within that relationship, when you're with a woman who is like, um, thank you, appreciative, like, oh my gosh, like, 
is just, you know, she knows she sources her own light. The light is inside of her. She like sources it herself. You're not responsible for her happiness or anything of that, but you just, your presence gets to add this like joy. So she's just like, that's how our relationships start. That's what gravitates toward each other. It's like you get to court a woman and like, and, and see her, you know, light up and like her essence and her radiance. And it's like, it's magnet. It's, 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 it's just like, it's, 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 it's spectacular. Um, but in this wounding, but so women have also then built up walls. We built up walls around our heart because we've been hurt before. Um, similar to men, men have built up walls. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're now these two wounded genders, which have just continued to play out, you know, from the, the, the you can get the patriarchy into the, you know, in, in, into um, me too and time's up. And it also goes down to erotic wellness. So, um, you said erotic wellness, erotic wellness. Yeah. We all come from sex <laughs> and like, and right now is, is this, you know, and it's just, it's, um, it's a, it's a, it's an experience because I, I hate to use the term problem. Like it's a problem, but it's the current experience and environment that we're living in where I think one of the greatest healings will happen is when man and women can heal our relationship as, um, man and women. And I think that's also too, why, uh, this is my own personal thing. I think the reason we're in the they, them scenario and situation is because of um, and why I have female friends who are becoming lesbians. And now I'm hearing about this group of like men go their own way. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know women who are definitely exploring relationships with women because they can't figure it out. They they really would prefer to be with a man, actually. Some of them, they like, they crave, they crave it. I haven't but heard about at, this trend, but I'm not surprised yeah. that I, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. And I wonder too, you know, my own, I'm just curious. My brain goes like, is that also happened to some men or some men gay because it's easier <laughs> to get sex and fulfilled that way. I don't even know. It's just questions I ponder. <laughs> Again, please don't judge me for my thoughts. Anyone oh, no, here? never, never, just, never. I, I, I just want to, like, yeah, the yeah, listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I think the people who, who listen to this podcast, they're already well used to me just throwing ideas out there and just exploring ideas. So that it's not about right or wrong or, you know, it's just about exploring ideas. It's interesting because it's funny because uh, my friend Tommy and I specifically have joked about that in the past, um, how we almost, we wish we were gay. You know, because I have, okay, I will tell this. There has been sort of an an evolution of my friendships over the years. Back when I was in New York in my 20s, I had a lot of female friends, like a lot. And that was pretty much the trend throughout my 20s. And then I would say from like 35 on into 40 plus now, all of most all of my friends, especially during the pandemic, I talk every day with my guy friends. So it's all guys. So my best friend from college, Karen, you know, other than her and my mom, those are pretty much the only two females I talk to. So yeah. Um, but I, I think it it's partially me and my personal arc, but it's also what's been going on in society. And I think the qualities that you have described here about you know, just being able to openly exchange ideas and, and put stuff out there. I have been able to do that with a lot of my guy friends, like not all guy friends, but like my close guy friends, way more than even close female friends, not like my best female friends, but like close female friends. 
you know, and I, and I started to feel like, well, let me also add, add this in. I feel like, remember when I said earlier before about like kind of friendship leading into relationships and how I think that's really important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, and I think part of it was I was hesitant. You have to also factor in the Christian angle in my twenties too. That, that is another variable in the equation, but part of the reason why I was hesitant to start dating women is we were getting along fine. It's just friends. And then as soon as it turned into a relationship, it's like a ticking time bomb. It's only a matter of time before I see this whole other side of her, you know, and it's not a pretty picture. Like that other side is like the sort of the demonic, you know, like the side I never would have seen her as a friend before. And my theory is that if we would have just remained friends, I would have never seen that side of her. Not just with one girl, but like multiple girls in relationships. So you see what I'm saying? So like, it, you know, like at the end of the day, you're right about like it's sexual energy, it's sex that keeps the species going. But I think part of the theme of the whole MGTOW thing is it's kind of like, ah, fuck it. Like I'm here for another 30, 40 years, whatever, maybe 10 years, who knows? I want to enjoy the days of my life. So it, it, it starts coming down to self-love, self-care, what I want out of life uh, personally. And based on the experiences I've had with women, sometimes it just feels like, eh, the juice isn't worth the squeeze is sort of the expression, one of the expressions, you know, it's like, eh, it's not really, it's not worth it, you know? And, and I'm not saying I've declared this once and for all, but I'm just saying that's a big sentiment in my mind for the last year or so since I discovered MGTOW. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I waver. Like, I, uh, you know, I interviewed this other guy who had the podcast uh, three nights ago, and he was telling me he, he was also single. He's about to turn 40. And he was telling me he's met this girl via Twitter. And uh, they've been talking, and she lives a abroad somewhere in a different country. But he's like, wow, I just didn't really expect this. And we have this great connection, and we're talking, and it's just like, Excellent. He's like excited to, they exchange pictures and, you know, it wasn't through a dating app. It just happened organically out there in the, on the online, you know, on Twitter and listening to him, you know, just talk about it and, and the tone in his voice. I was like, yeah, I remember what that was like, like getting excited about a girl. And I was like, yeah, yeah. So, and, and like even Tommy and I were talking um, on the episode I'm going to post soon about, where we're at, like he's divorced, my friend Tommy, no kids. And he, he, he said he doesn't want to have kids. In fact, he wants to get a vasectomy and he's most likely like 100% never going to get married again. But he and I were both on the same page about like, we would both like to be in a relationship though. Something where we enjoy the woman's company and it's just a good, healthy thing for both of us. And we enjoy each other's, you know, everything about it. But not doing the marriage thing, because that's a whole nother beast. And, it, and I know when women hear that, it sounds like kind of what you were talking before, about, like the one foot in, one foot out, fear of commitment and all that kind of stuff. But to some degree, it's just men being pragmatic. But I also think a little bit of what you said earlier tonight, it's also pra pragmatic for you as well, because you've gone on all these different adventures and you've changed and you've grown in different ways. And it's really hard, dare I say impossible, to find a person who's going to grow with you, you know, over the span of multiple decades 
where it won't eventually, you know, reach a point of friction where it's like, you know what, this just isn't working. You know, like you're going this direction, I'm going that direction. And we're, we're fighting that reality to try to make this thing work, you know, something like that. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you have any relationship role models? Relationship role models? Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not my parents. <laughs> my parents were arranged. Mm. They have an arranged marriage they, in, from India. So certainly not them. It's not, they actually have a term for it in Indian culture. It's when people meet and fall in love with each other, they call that a love marriage. So that's like a separate thing. Mm-hmm. They call it, it's like a Western idea, like the love marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an arranged marriage. So, yeah. So that's them. Uh, yeah, to answer your question, I would say, no, not really. You don't have any relationship romanos. So that's, if you want a relationship um, or have any desire for a healthy relationship, I always ask people, go out and find relationship role models. Go, who has a relationship? Because I see it's easy for you to keep going down this rabbit hole of um, men go their own way. Um, when you don't have any relationship role models and to get quite curious about that. Why don't you like, why is there, you know, what is, what is wrong with our society or within your own reality to get curious? Like, so I think of, of seeking out and also are we supporting our relationships? Are we helping, you know, in our communities um, and in our, in our friendships, are we helping, um, our, our friends to have healthy relationships. Um, so yeah, one of, one of the things is, is definitely of like identifying who is it that has a relationship is role modeling the relationship. And also to know is like relationships are challenging. You're getting two separate people to come together who have um, who've had completely different experiences and ideologies and, you know, but, but if a relationship is built on like, you know, a, a, one of my, one of my mentors, Dr. Sarah Nazaratum, um, she's a colleague of Esther Perel's and she, um, talks about the, the emergence model, this new emergence model of love. And so in our society, we have it kind of twisted. We think that like, um, we meet somebody, we fall in love. And then, and then, and then everything else gets built up from there. But if a relationship, if you look at it and you first like assess it, like, is there, um, um, is there sexual attraction? Okay. Yes. Sexual attraction. Is there, um, is there, uh, um, shared interest, you know, is there values, do values align? Um, is there, are you compatible? Um, or, or, and then is there respect in this attention and then love is at the top of the parent love builds on the top. So in our world, in our society, how many people are even talking about what is love? How do you feel love? Like, how do you guys practice love? What are practices for love? When a couple does come together, what are, instead of like, we're kind of in that world of we talk and fuck, um, <laughs> what are all the other things that you can do? Like of just being each other's presence of like tools, like practicing, like tantras is becoming, you know, a, a big thing. Like get curious, like what's tantra does. Like if you come into and you drop into connection with like a woman and you sit there and you just make eye contact together. And just nothing of just being in spaces where we're not just, you know, our dating culture. I think our, our dating, the way that we date 
is like, again, we go out to dinner um, and we talk. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then, and then you get to third date and it's like, we should have sex now. Um, because like <laughs> one, two, three. So we're in this like programming, that's an environment that's not, so you have to like smash it, like break it apart instead of run away from it. You have to look for, um, new experiences that support the fundamental, um, way that we are brought into existence through man and woman together. So if we just run, men go their own way and women, then we go their own way. Like that's not an interesting world. If I was to say to you, let's just take all the women out of the world. Do you want to still live? Um, well, I mean, this is the question I haven't, it hasn't been posed to me that way, but essentially that has what I, that's what I've been thinking about this past year because I, I did. I recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago uh, called "Process of Elimination," and mm-hmm. the point of that was, what happens when all of the things you thought you wanted in life over the years, it doesn't pan out, and it's not so much some one thing didn't work out, and there's another one around the corner, but it's like the concept of the thing, the very thought of the thing, you've scratched off your list. Like, no, I've tried that. I've been there. I've done that. No. And when you've scratched all the things off the list and you're starting to run out of things to put on the list, what next? What then? You know, so I, I've started to pose that question both for myself and my listeners. Like, um, and, you know, I was just talking about this with Tommy a couple of days ago. I was like, you know, I, I've kind of come to the place where I'm like, I am making my, like you talked earlier about how passionate you are about your career and your business and everything you're doing and how much satisfaction it gives you. And that's also how I feel about a lot of the things I'm doing, you know, creatively and uh, entrepreneurially. And it's not necessarily about getting rich and famous or anything, but it's about doing what I want to do in life, you know? And the way I look at it is like life can take many different shapes and pathways. Right. And not, I don't want to call it like plan B, but I want to call it like, um, like, are you, are you familiar with stoicism? You probably, right? Tell me, I don't know that, that label. So stoicism is kind of like the originated with like the ancient Greeks and like this whole, it's basically this whole philosophy of a big part of the problem why people are so unhappy today is they obsess about things they can't have and things they can't control. So stoicism is basically all about acceptance of the things in the world, which let's face it, most things in the world, you and I cannot control. You know, we, we mm-hmm. don't have that kind of magnanimous control over the forces and things happening in the world. It's an so, illusion. Control is an illusion. Yeah, but there are certain things that we do have control over in our immediate sphere, like what we do with our body, what foods we choose to put in our body, like how much we choose to exercise, the habits we form, the people we choose to associate with or not. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of control that we do have. It's just, you know, there's a lot you more. Free will. That's yeah. free will. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot more that we don't control. But like it's the same thing with Trump derangement syndrome. I see 90% of my friends losing their shit every day because they feel like they can't live their life while Trump is president. And I'm like, look, you've been complaining about this for four years. Why don't you just go about your life and do what you want to do? You know, like 
the sun will still rise whether Trump is president or not. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're they're centering themselves around something they can't control and they're miserable for it. You know, so that's just one example. But like, you know, so for me with the dating and the marriage thing, I'm just like, I mean, when I turned 30, I was kind of down and out. And that was I was still Christian at the time. And I think the reason why I was bummed out was I had just assumed, you know, God's plan for my life, God's will, all the scripture verses, all that stuff that like, of course, God wants me to get married and have children. And, you know, that's the righteous path. And that's what he wants for me. And that's what I want. And then when I turned 30 and I realized like I barely, I didn't really date anybody in my church. And of all the places, like at that point, I was only willing to date Christian girls. So I passed up a lot of other opportunities with like secular girls, but I limited my pool. And then at that point, none a lot of the Christian girls, like I only dated one Christian girl really um, before turning 30. Well, that's not to a couple, but like like three or four months here and there. One girl from my small group, that was it. But this other girl I met at work, she was Christian. But other than that, for all those years of being in the church, didn't really date anybody there. And I put everything on the table when I was 30, and I, and I realized, like, you know, what if, this was the first time in my life I thought, what if I don't meet somebody and get married and have kids? And just to come to terms with that possibility was depressing to me. It was huge. It was like a huge thing that I needed to, to grapple with, right? To, to just, and it took me like the whole year of being 30 to really kind of wrestle with that possibility, you know? Cause like, again, there's, th- I didn't know anything about stoicism then, but like the idea of like, what if that doesn't happen? What if it's not meant to be, you know? Cause it's certainly outside of my control. You know, I can make more money. I can get more in shape. I can dress better. I can have a be more creative and have more success and all these things to make myself a better catch to women. But ultimately you can't make somebody you love you or fall in love with you. And I don't know. So at that point I was just kind of like just starting to accept that. And, and I, it took me a year or two and then I left the church and then I was kind of like, okay, I'm feeling out this new life. And, uh, and now that I've turned 40, you know, a couple years ago, I'm like in a a different place. And I'm like, I really have adopted stoicism this past year, which is very much like, it's really funny because I think I've been doing a lot better during the pandemic than a lot of people I know. And I think partially it's because of the fact of what happened this past year. And this past year, two big things in my life. One is that I had sort of adopted this MGTOW lifestyle mindset. And the other thing is I've adopted stoicism. So it's not a religion. It's not a, it's more, it's more like a philosophy. It's a way of looking at life. But both of those things have helped me not just get by uh, this year, but actually kind of thrive in certain ways, you know, because I've just kind of accepted like, okay, well, all right, you know, I'm still complying with the mask laws, even if I don't want to wear them. Like I still do what you have to do, but in all the other areas where I can control and do things, I'm making good choices, you know, for, you know, I'm not even making the best choices. I want to be making better choices than what I am doing, you know. But all of that is kind of a long roundabout answer to your question. But um, moving forward, yeah, I think I can live a meaningful, rich, full, happy, satisfied life without women. When I say women, without I mean, it. Like, yeah, without like sexual relationships, like with a falling in love and all that stuff. But then you miss out on like a whole, like relationships are 
you know, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. Why give up? To me, I mean, it's beautiful that you're at this place of like wiping everything away. I think that's a beautiful process to be in where you're at in this moment. But now, you you know, um, I, I just I also think it's a cop out. <laughs> well, I will say this, though. Look, I'm like, I, I don't ever declare anything like once and for all. This is it. Like, I don't I don't operate that way. So, you know, like mm-hmm. we've been talking about. So uh, I've been saying, like, I even said it on the podcast with with Tommy yesterday. It's like. If the right girl comes along and we totally hit it off and we're feeling it, like I will totally run with that, you know? So my invitation to you until, you know, this is, is just be in the state of practice, like practice. I love one of my um, mentors, Alora Nana, Alora Nana. She's 71 now. She's been teaching couples and singles how to have more fulfilling relationships for decades. Um, And she um, taught me this idea of like, a practice of seeing the one in all ones and being the one with all ones. So if you're in this constant state of like, of practicing love of like that, the one is the one right in, in, in front of you in that moment, it's like, you know, of just, you know, of, of being in that way and, and the putting aside the, the searching and sorting and just, um, well, when you're talking about when you're talking about practicing love, do you mean like because I'm basically in my apartment alone in Philly, like it's void of all human contact here, at least while the lockdown is still happening. So um, you're talking about just loving myself because I'm the only one in the room, basically. Right. Well, I think in, in the connection, like there's like maybe an exploratory process that you can go into of like, hey, I'm having this like experience of feeling resistance to women because I think. Through, would you acknowledge that our conversation has been um, beautiful and interesting, right? Oh, yeah. I love okay. It. And, and I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this. So why, in a sense, to know, like, cut yourself off from this idea, men go our own way. <laughs> like, well, like, no, I mean, like, even having the conversation with you, it's encouraging to me. Because a lot of things you said here today are, I'm like, it's refreshing for me to hear. Because most women I see out and about, whether it's on online, on YouTube, on Twitter, down the street, at the gym, like just the are not saying things you're saying are not like, you know, and well, it, well, then, yeah, it's very off putting and it's very like, all right, well, you know, whatever. Just you well, practice. We could do we could do by um, we could do a, um, a a part two of this podcast um, because I, I will have to jump in a, in a moment and I love to I, I'm oh, actually yeah. I, I'm actually um, um, bummed that I have to leave because I could sit in this conversation for much longer. But my you know it's similar to what you did with Facebook and how um, within you know and, and made some friends on just like just realizing like hey maybe my circle maybe it's the circle of people mm-hmm. around me aren't um approving the story because we always were making up stories so the story that you've made up is that um women aren't having women aren't having these conversations women aren't this way um and so that story that narrative that you're in um um leaves you here but then to open it up so you're not your own i'm going to use your own your own echo chamber um 
and, and stuck within it that like maybe go out and discover. And, and because I can tell you, I know many women of living in Los Angeles, you know, California for four years, like there is an openness. I know many women who, you know, my, my friend circles, like I'm a lot like the, the women that I hang out with. Um, and they're all into exploring love, but start to get into get curious. Like curiosity is what shifts everything. So getting even more curious with like with women, because if you continue that story and then you, then you go on the road, you just want to keep proving, <laughs> proving that story um, and to, to then maybe shift the narrative and allow for something new to enter in. Yeah, I like that. I'm all about like exploration and curiosity and finding it. So, yeah, I've already kind of started on that path. <laughs> The last solo episode I just did was called The Shift. So, mm. And it is all about the shift I am feeling in my life. And I think the conversations I've had with Francis and Tommy and then now you, I'm like, this is all part of the shift. It's all part of being more optimistic and always open to possibilities. You know, like, I think that is what I want my life experience to be, you know. Well, I'll say is, you know, as, as we wrap this up is, um, um, so I did a podcast from 2017 to 2018 recorded your love accomplice. Um, it's still found on, on iTunes. Um, I can't wait to bring it back at, at, at some point, um, just in a little, um, pause with it, but in it, we, we, I, I talk about, um, you know, loving men and, um, and, and having fun with men and, and the whole experience of reuniting the feminine and masculine back together. And if I could rally people around that mission, like let's actually, yeah, we could go our own way, but like how much greater would it be of, of actually, if you want to, you know, heal the world and make it a better place. Um, then, then we have to, like, this is the most important relationship. So we have to be willing to do the work and to, um, to dive deeper um, into it. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining here today. This has been really great. Um, it's inspiring to me. I'm sure it's been inspiring to a lot of other people. I think more of these conversations need to happen between men and women and, and the kind of things we're talking about, friendships, relationships, dating, love, all this stuff. You know, we can get sucked down into arguing about masks and, and, and viruses and, and police brutality, you know, but it's not that those things aren't happening and not that they're not important, but we do need to come back to sort of life itself and what's important in life and uh, you know, what we're talking about here today. So yeah, I know you got to go, but uh, thanks for being on. I'm looking forward to, to part two, whenever we can do that. I'm looking forward to part two. I love this conversation. This is like my highest excitement. Um, so thank you for, for um, giving me a space to have this, this conversation. Cause I, I think it's important. I think it's important. And I invite everyone to, and, and to you, Jay, happy to share even, um, a promo code, Christina Guest, with your, um, with your, with the listeners here, and with you of like, come explore, join a, a deepen experience, we deepen.com, and um, and we're 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 in the process of um, evolving as a company because pre-coronavirus we're in-person experiences, and so we're making a shift and a change, and we're now moving into these online experiences and um, and and. Uh, and reshaping our offering. Uh, but that's the essential behind it is my mission um, in life and Deepen's mission is to improve the quality of human relationships and interactions now and for future generations. And the only way we can do that is together. Cool. Great. 
Well, thanks for being here. I know you got to go. So <laughs> yeah. you go. thanks so much, Jay. Yes, right. this is amazing. Okay. Cool. I'll send you some uh, emails. We'll, we'll be in touch. Okay, sounds good. Okay, cool. Bye. Hey, you. Yes, you. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening on. That way you can obviously get notified as soon as new episodes arrive. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and consider writing a brief review. It just takes a second, and it really helps in order to get this podcast ranking higher so that more people can discover it. And the better this podcast is doing, the more prominent guests we can get on the show, and also the more time I can devote to it, which means more episodes and better episodes. And speaking of better episodes, what would you like to see more of on the show? Are there specific topics you'd love to see covered? Do you have thoughts of your own on the subjects discussed today? I'd love to hear from you. Just shoot an email to podcast at introversion.com. Or you can reach out to me on social media. I'm Jay Caslow on pretty much every platform, Twitter, Instagram, and the rest. And last but not least, if you've been enjoying listening to the podcast and also checking out the daily blog at introversion.com, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash introversion, where you can become an official introversion patron for as little as $3 a month. That's literally 10 cents a day. Anyway, just consider it. Otherwise, just click like, share this podcast with friends and family who you think would enjoy it. It's 2020, so be safe out there. And yet, go live your life. I know that's kind of a paradox, but we'll figure this out one way or another. Anyway, have a good one. Until next time.